0: You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan.
1: Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Kelsey, he's looking to throw it. High school quarterback, Kelsey will air it out. Looking for the big play, it's intercepted.
0: Landon Collins. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan.
1: Grump, you have your bags packed. We have a uh, we have a road trip this weekend.
0: Bags are packed. We're flying all over the East Coast.
1: Yes, we will be in Gainesville on Saturday for the Florida LSU game, and then we will be getting up at 4:30 on Sunday morning to fly to Charlotte for the Giant Panther game. Our annual road trip to see our lovable lugs get their asses kicked.
0: I I keep telling cranky fan, you don't have to get up at 4:30 if you're still up partying.
1: Well, let's see how the let's see how the Gator game goes first
0: <laughs> um yeah, so we will be at Bank of America Field at one o'clock on Sunday for the Giants versus the Panthers uh, we will have a very good view of what we hope is a very good game <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> that's going to be the topic of the podcast for today we're going to preview the game versus the two and one Panthers versus the one and three New York Giants um, but first be sure to follow us on Twitter I'm at football underscore grump where you can follow some of my escapades from this weekend um, up and down Florida Atlanta Charlotte um, and the podcast is always at just Giants pod where we bump all of our episodes which are hosted on iTunes and SoundCloud
1: I would also download a Rosetta Stone so you can translate from incoherent grump to English for some of the things you might be tw- tweeting. <laughs> we have a lot of alcohol planned for this trip, so it may not be the King's English you are reading. So, Dost thou doubt my liver. <laughs> yes. You can find me, as always, at The Cranky Fan. A couple of things before we get into the game. Um, you know, this has been kind of, we're at the quarter pole of the season, and people are, they're freaking out Short term, intermediate term, and long term about this team. Indeed. Um, you know, a couple of things that I've seen, you know, my the themes I've been basically seeing from other podcasts, radio shows, you know, things I've been reading on the internet. Uh, the two questions people keep coming up with are, when is Kyle Aletta gonna play? And that kind of dovetails into are we drafting a quarterback with the first pick next year? And also why did we draft Saquon Barkley if he's only going to run the ball 10 carries? I mean, those are two things that have been like the themes over and over I've been um, reading and seeing. So I want to kind of address those with you and have a follow-up question to you also. But uh, you want to take the, uh, the stab at the other thing?
0: Yeah, well, we'll take them one at a time. When is Lalletto going to play? Ideally, never. Um, I understand the frustration with why did we use a draft pick, uh, a fourth-round draft pick on a player that we're never going to use. Um, I get that, but ideally your fourth round quarterback doesn't play. I understand that there are third round pick quarterbacks that become franchise guys like Russell Wilson. I understand that Tom Brady was a sixth round draft pick. Those are anomalies. Uh, Kyle Aletta, in my opinion, was never drafted to take this franchise anywhere. He was drafted because he had a skill set they felt that they could mold into a capable backup. And... Spending a fourth-round draft pick is much cheaper than spending a couple million on a proven backup that ideally never sees the field anyway, but just insurance that you know should he need to step on the field for a game and a half, it's not a completely sunk cost you have a chance to win. So, remember, when they took Geno Smith last year at $1 million, that's incredibly cheap for a backup quarterback. Most make upwards of $5 million or more. Um, you know, on a contract, like a rookie contract for a fourth-round pick, they're not making that much money. And if they never see the field to display their skill set to the rest of the league, it never drives up their market value. Um, the Giants are the only ones who truly know how good Kyle Lalletta is. And they can determine if they want to keep him on the roster beyond his rookie contract, etc. So I understand that Giants fans are looking for a quick fix, a what's the problem? How do we fix it? How do we turn the season around? How do we turn this franchise around? But this is just not how it works, and it's impatient thinking. Um, this this administration was brought in for long run purposes, and Kyle Loletta is part of a long run plan. When one that in which I truly doubt they ever wanted him to see the field for significant time.
1: Yeah, and uh, and we can debate all we want whether that was the right call or not, you know, getting rid of Davis Webb, drafting Kyle Aletta, saying that Eli's the guy, but that doesn't matter for 2018. It doesn't. And let's remember one thing also. Kyle Aletta right now is third on the depth chart. He is not even active for any of these games. If you are preparing a quarterback to play, you have a plan in place pretty much from the beginning of OTAs. How you are going to prepare this guy? How many reps is he going to take during OTAs? How many reps is he going to take during fall training camp? What is how many often is he going to play during preseason games? You know, right at this moment, they are whether you think he's better than um, Alex Tanney or not doesn't matter they are not preparing him to get any playing time and any significant time. And as much as we, a lot of fans are pissed off and think the season's over, we are only in week five. The coaching staff does not look at long-term pictures like the fans do or the general manager does. Coaching staff is looking to win. Yes. Win Sunday, win the division, make the playoffs. Until... It is mathematically impossible to win a division, make the playoffs. They are playing the best person for the best chance to win. Now, if we are two and seven, that thinking will be adjusted from short-term, got to make the playoffs to what is the future of the program. At that point, you will start to see things like Kyle Aletta move up the depth chart, get more reps in practice. Maybe you'll see him in garbage time or you know, specific series or quarters in a game in later on in the season. But if you really think that Eli Manning is such a problem right now that an unproven rookie who's not been prepared to play is your option, you need to read football 101 because you are in la-la land. Going right into once you talk about when is LaLette going to play this year – are we drafting a quarterback, you know, with the first pick and, <sighs> you know, something we, we have nobody knows. I mean, this team could be two and 14, could be seven and nine, could be eight and eight. We, we don't know. Um, we don't know what quarterbacks are coming out. You know, everybody, because, you know, and I tweeted this earlier in the week that we live in the Northeast. Most people in the Northeast who not college football, watch college football on a weekly basis. They hear the one name that a Mike Francesa happened to read in the paper on Sunday of a guy who had five touchdowns and think he's the number one pick. There are, you know, every year there's a handful of guys who are first-round draft pick worthy. That doesn't mean they will be franchise quarterbacks. That means they're the best available guys for a draft pick. Way too early to know where we're drafting. Are we drafting second? Are we drafting tenth? Are we drafting 23rd? You know, We already are down a draft pick in this draft next year. When we start packaging to trade up, we have no idea. So, you know, what happens, you know, between now and December will determine what our drafting needs are going to be next year. You know, Eli might decide to retire. Uh, you know, there could be a, you know left Nick soldier could snap his leg and he can be out for his career. He may need a left tackle badly. Uh, Landon Collins may, for whatever reason, not resign or something. We don't know these things. So don't jump ahead already to next year and say, who are we drafting? Don't even worry about that now because there's too many unknown variables at this point.
0: People are not going to like to hear this, but the short answer is it's too early. There are 1,001 variables, most of which you listed, but there's a lot of other variables too. I mean, Justin Herbert could get a concussion. Uh, Drew Locke could suddenly go on a cold spree where he's just not good and he's missing guys left and right, throwing interceptions. Um,
1: Hopefully he is in uh, November 5th. (laughs) Thank you, but keep going. (laughs) Um, You know,
0: there's a lot of things involved here. um, As far as you don't draft positions. And I, I people don't seem to understand this argument. You don't draft positions. You draft players. There will always be one to three to four quarterbacks taken in the first round, but that does not mean that one to three to four of those quarterbacks deserve to be taken in the first round can deliver the franchise package. Josh Allen was drafted in the first round and I have vehemently said that he's not a good quarterback. Many people have. And yet he was he rose up to the status of those like Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold uh, Baker Mayfield Th- This happens year after year We had a debate last week on whether or not Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston were even franchise quarterbacks anymore They're both on thin ice. They were the undisputed one two picks in that draft overall one and two
1: yeah, yeah grump but i did say though and we kind of went back and forth in a, in a little tweeting thing a couple of weeks ago when we said there is a difference between a quarterback who is worthy of a first round pick versus what becomes of a franchise quarterback. Yes. i mean Jameis winston as much as i hate him personally and his off the field stuff certainly was worth the risk on the field to be the number one overall pick absolutely i understand marriottas marriottas same thing was definitely there was a a logical debate for those two hell there was a logical debate back in 1998 peyton manning or ryan leaf based upon you know skill set size accuracy arm all of those things now obviously one is going to be you know one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and the other one you know
0: One of the greatest buffs buffs of all time. Yeah, exactly, but... But but here's my point. There is a franchise that takes positions, okay? They're called the Cleveland Browns. Now, I know the recent history is that they took Baker Mayfield with the first overall pick. That's a different story. They have taken quarterbacks in the first round of this draft many times over the years, from Johnny Manziel, Colt McCoy, etc., Okay? They have taken cornerbacks when they need a corner with Justin Gilbert. You know, just because you are drafting in a position and you need a position and you want the best at that position doesn't mean that the best at that position in that year is good enough for the pick that you're spending him on. Justin Gilbert was a massive... Yes, everything, everything, but it, it depends on the year. It depends on the class. Now, that said, you can argue whether you think Justin Herbert or Drew Locke, or Jarrett Stidham are good quarterbacks, good enough to, you know, lead a franchise, you can make that argument and that's fine. But it's too early to make that argument because there's still college season left. Things can happen. Uh, One of my biggest knocks on Josh Rosen and why I was afraid that the Giants might take him is he has a very extensive injury history and the Giants have a very bad offensive line. Um, You know, there are a number of things that can shake you know, your opinion of another player. A step beyond that, uh, you know, some people were talking about, you know, let's just say the Giants go 4-12. Do you trade up to get a quarterback? Even if you decide that Herbert and Drew Locke are the consensus 1-2, which, again, as evidenced by Winston and Mariota, is not evidence that they will eventually become franchise quarterbacks despite being undisputed at the time. Just to move up from drafting 4th to drafting 2nd, you're giving up a lot more than you think. I know people think that trading Olivier Vernon a first round pick and next year's second is enough, but it's not. It's not. When the Washington Redskins moved up to take RG3, they took they gave away next year's first round pick and a second round pick. They gave up everything for him.
1: What did the Jets just give up? They they gave up quite a bit as well. It wasn't a uh a swap, simple swapping of first round picks. They yeah. had to give up quite a yeah. bit as well now. Yeah. And it's still very to be determined if that was a smart move or not.
0: Yeah. Um. So, you know, I think that there is a case to be made that if Herbert and Locke continue the seasons that they're having and the giants are drafting second or first. Yes. It's something to consider, but it's way too early. We don't know any of that shit yet. And beyond that, everything that you mentioned about we don't know what's gonna happen with Solder, with, you know, Evan Ingram, Landon Collins. There are a number of other things that can happen with the Giants from now until then, as a in addition to the players themselves from now until then.
1: And there's another thing too, is that this front office is working under the blueprint that Eli Manning is still functional for the next two to three years. Yes. So, you know, does that mean that they draft a quarterback and just sit him on the bench and slowly bring him in? Or is this something that, are they going to deviate from that plan and say, we have decided, we've reevaluated, Eli is no longer the guy. And they either you know, cut him loose after next year or Eli designs to retire. I, I think the fans, you know, it's more, not so much necessarily what specific quarterback are they going to draft, but do they draft a quarterback?
0: Well, and again, that depends. You don't draft a quarterback just because there's one available and you need one. Because he might suck. You don't draft Johnny Manziel just because you need a quarterback. You draft yeah, Johnny I, Manziel because Johnny Manziel is the best chance your organization has to succeed. And that sentence alone is asinine.
1: Yeah, well, this fan base, I think this line of thinking is that we are going to be one of the three worst teams in the league. I don't think it's a question of, well, the Giants are going to be, you know, six and 10, they're going to draft ninth, do we do it? Think, I think a lot of this fan base, where this questioning is coming from is we are, you know, I see three and 13 in the future again. I see two and 14 in the future again. And we can argue that, you know, on another day, are we really that bad and we really need to consider that. So I, I think they're thinking if one of those – elite guys are we're in a position to get one i think that's where most fans well think again you
0: know. if we're in a position to get one it depends on how they do the rest of the year that's that's all I'm saying. when i say it's too early i mean it's too early for a zillion reasons and one of them is yeah you know one of those guys could get a concussion you know you could tear an acl do you want justin herbert after a torn acl are you sure because you're betting your future on it
1: yeah, I, I think they there again. I don't think it's that question is as specific unless there's these Nudniks who just know one name. I think it's really. Are but again, getting, I, I are don't. We drafting our quarterback, whoever that it, may be.
0: It depends. It depends on who it is. That's what I'm saying.
1: Oh, I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just yeah, I know. Saying but, I, but I mean, that's
0: that's what I'm trying to emphasize is that you're not drafting a quarterback. They have to know that it's their quarterback. It's not just a. It's got to be the one.
1: Um. Yeah, Mike, this is a question I actually had for you, Grump, before we get in talking about the game this week. Based on what you've seen so far from this offense, you know, we've, we're we're a quarter of the way in. Um, the play calling. Is this kind of what you expected to see when we brought Shermer in? And it might Shula be an extension of it, but, you know, has it been as... More conservative than you thought you thought it'd be something different than it looks. do you think the way the play calling has been has been a, a, a result of the actual talent on the field, or is this kind of what you expected the offense to look like
0: it's um the plays themselves are exactly what we expected right um, very uh, i don't want to say simple but you know they're they're simple but effective plays you know they're just very you know old school run the ball run play action off of it move the pocket to help protect Eli Manning you know the plays themselves are what i thought the play calling isn't what i thought but i've we've seen an adjustment from week to week and i think that we've we've really made a whole machine out of brand new parts here um or or maybe, you know, some of the old parts, a lot new parts, and then all new blueprints. Uh, so I think there's a uh, tinkering that's going on week to week to figure out how to make this perfect. I think, I think all the right parts are there, and they're just assembling them in the right order. Um, I think that last week there was a real shot to win had they actually committed to the run, you know, maybe that was game planning. Maybe they thought that they had needed to throw more against the bad defense. Um, but the running game, I think when it was being used was working. Um, and I think that I expected more of a commitment to the run, a run first run, play action off of it, offense. And I think that in the post game throughout the week, uh, interviews and whatever, um, I think that that was realized within the organization. Um, there were some quotes from Shermer about running the ball more, etc. Um, and I, I think that's what all of us expect. I mean, there was a, there was a philosophy that was consistent among Mike Shula, Pat Schirmer, and Dave Gettleman on you know, hog mollies and being bullies and running the ball. I mean, taking a running back, taking a left guard. You know, reshaping the offensive line, running a lot of play action. You don't just run play action to run it. You run it off of the run or the threat of a run. Um, And I think that that might be the piece that's missing more that I've seen consistently from the beginning of the year on was a commitment to the run game. But the plays themselves, I think, is what we expected. We're not seeing a lot of the 11 personnel quick slants, you know, every fucking play, and then the second down draw run, from ben McAdoo
1: so you're leading into and I, I agree with you um, you're leading into the other theme I'm seeing quite a bit from the fan base of we need to take shots yes. We need to throw downfield more and you know for two things one this is not the old um, Gilbride offense this is not the old Eli you know they're not going to take multiple shots downfield Odell Beckham can be just as effective as a weapon, with slants and you know little, outs and things as opposed to him running fifty yard outs and just sure. trying to hit him. So yeah. your expectations of well, why aren't we throwing deep, deep, deep? You know, taking shots, taking shots, taking shots. That's not what this offense is going to be.
0: No, so, but but they are going to take sh- those shots. Become, uh, for lack of for lack of a better word, money shots. Um. Because because you set up for them. You know, you continue yes. that running game, the underneath game, and then that deep shot is a backbreaker for the other team. It comes at the worst time. You've totally right. fooled them. You throw the double move at them, and Beckham is standing all alone behind the safety and the cornerback and, you know, walks in for a 45-yard touchdown. That's right. what this that's offense not, is designed to what, do.
1: Right. That's not what this offense is. That is the result of other things happening. Yeah. And either through execution or giving up on the commitment to it we are not setting that up now Correct. also you know and also you know losing guys like ingram yeah. you know hurt in the setting up of you know your medium to downfield because you can again and also losing um latimer you know and i know this is just from last week but the whole goal of having those guys was to take the pressure off of having Beckham double teamed and, you know, know, defense is only focusing on him. When you have those two guys gone, that's happening again. Mm -hmm. So I understand the frustration in fans where, you know, they're seeing what looks like a very conservative offense and not even just run, run, run. It's just these checkdowns, checkdowns. But a lot of it is that's what the defense is giving us, what our offense can do, and a lot of what the scheme of this offense is.
0: Yeah, it is a it is a multitude of factors. I mean, the offensive line factors in partly due to game planning and partly due to, you know, there isn't time to set up that throw, or at least Eli feels like there isn't that time based on p- past results. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of factors. They all come together, and part of it is design. Yes, this is not the Kevin Gilbride, you know, three times per drive we're going to throw for over twenty yards.
1: You're yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, you know, I know everybody's looking like you said in the beginning of the show, there's one reason why and one way to fix it. It's not just Eli isn't delivering. It's not just the offensive line. It's not just the play calling. It's not just the injuries.
0: It's all, it's of, all of those this, things.
1: It's all of this stuff right now. It's a perfect storm of garbage. And, and, and you know, to it, be
0: fair, it's not a hundred percent of all of those. It's just a little bit of each.
1: If you hooked up Gettleman, you hooked up Shermer, you hooked up Mike Shula to lie detector tests and say, is this kind of what you expected us to be after week four? They'd probably say yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, again, you just think the problem is, you know, the old coaching staff and okay, away we go, but no, it, it takes time and it sucks because okay, we have to sit there every Sunday and deal with it. But we need, you know, we just had a, a pretty decent draft so far. It looks like on the top-heavy side, these draft picks are working out. Yeah, we have to we have to overcompensate for the very bad draft pick, drafts of the last several years for the depth in these, and it's the only way you really build a roster. Is really the draft is your core. You augment with free agents and the occasional trade. Yeah, when you all of a sudden and you whiff on all these draft picks. And you have to start going to the store and buying all these guys. First of all, you gonna have no cap money to do it and you're going to send yourself. And also some of these guys aren't out there. There are not left tackles out there. I mean, that's why Nate Solder costs so much money. Yeah. Not that he's the best left tackle in the league. It's when you have a market where there's not many of these guys. Guess what? They're going to cost.
0: You guys ready for some good news? The good news is we have very good news on the injury front. Um, we're really only expecting that Evan Ingram is out for the game. Um, Olivier Vernon is probably about a 50-50 at this point. He's practiced. He's limited. Um, I'm sure he's not 100%. A high ankle sprain. This is still a bit early. Um, but there's a chance he plays. Eli Apple is, is looking to be back. He's practiced throughout the week. You know, Cody Latimer looks like he's back.
1: As Giant fans, we should be used to seeing how injuries can decimate a roster and decimate your starting lineups. And don't forget about those factors, too. You know, we start bitching that there's been no pass rush. Well, there's been a low Olivier Vernon. And you know something? There's no Eli Apple. That kind of, you know, keeps back some of the aggressiveness we can with maybe some corner blitzes or something, which is a a part of the, the better defense. Sure. So you need your players. And I know everybody gets hurt this time of year, but getting key guys back will change a lot of what we show and a lot of what we try to attempt to do
0: yeah um and another key thing is with carolina greg Olson has started to do some limited practice but is still out and you know i i've said for a long time that greg olsen is one of the most talented guys in the league uh incredibly well-rounded tight end and definitely one of cam newton's biggest safety valves
1: Especially a position that's been killing us for years upon years. Yeah. Having tight ends, breaking loose. It's
0: from Wayne, New Jersey, by the way. Not far from where I live. Congrats. All right, so here's how the Giants win this game. And believe me, it is possible. Um, We've seen all year teams run the run pass option against us. And at times we've been good. Most of the time we've been burned by it. And sometimes we've been really burned by it. This is the ultimate test. If everything everything before this was a test, uh, you know, practice for this game, because Carolina runs the best RPO, I think, in the game, and that's because Christian McCaffrey's really good, C.J. Anderson's a bull, and quite frankly, Cam Newton's a bull. He's very hard to bring down. He's a big dude, and he runs really fast, and he's shifty. Also, he's a quarterback, so he's afforded some extra protection, uh, and that's, you know, not being salty. It's just the truth. I mean, if he decides to slide feet first, you really just can't hit him. The key to beating this is to shut that shit down because that's most of what Carolina's offense is. Their receivers are pedestrian at best. Torrey Smith has traveled the league for you know, a very important reason. He's not good enough to make a team want to keep him. Um, <laughs> he's good, and he's something you have to watch out for, but he's not...
1: He's, he's not a cut-down guy. He's yeah, a cut-down guy.
0: Yeah, he's a cut-down guy, and he's a late add-on guy as well for other mm-hmm. teams. So... You know, he and he's probably the biggest problem they have. I mean, Devin Funchess is just a t- big target. He's never panned out to what you know draft pundits thought he would be. That, I mean, that's really it. I mean, with with Greg Olson out, that really really brings it down to like Jarius Wright. I mean, these are possession guys. They're not threats. They're they're just move the chain guys. They're they're outlets. the The thrust of this offense is Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey, and C.J. Anderson, and that that ability to just create havoc among gap control so gap control is the key to win this game gap control and sound tackling if you can force the rpo to be you know just predictable just by maintaining your lanes and tackling well with one-on-ones that leaves them with you know trying to test downfield with these pedestrian receivers or dump off to their big playmaker christian mccaffrey which is essentially what the Giants offense has been thus far, which has been dumping off to Saquon of Barkley. And we've seen that that doesn't produce very much offense. Um, so that's really the biggest thing. Uh, you know, force Carolina to throw to McCaffrey or try and jam things downfield. Because Cam Newton, while he has a, ca- a cannon up for an arm, he's not incredibly accurate.
1: And he gets frustrated.
0: He'd Oh, definitely. The other thing defensively is when pressure gets on Cam, it really needs to be coming from more than one person because, you know, while somebody can tackle Cam Newton one-on-one, it's really not one-on-one if they're still kind of sort of being blocked. You know, he's very good at shrugging off tacklers. He has to be under immense pressure to really go down.
1: I look at this game as kind of something that Giant fans should take into account. It's like a lesson that at this time last year, people were saying Christian McCaffrey was a bust, and this is kind of our theme, and it's our theme we've been talking about for weeks and weeks now. You don't draft for the first four games of next year and say bust or not. It's a long-term plan, and people should look at that even with Saquon Barkley right now, where people get excited about... You know, his individual moves and, oh, he can break tackles and stuff. But you look at the numbers and you're like, well, all right, nothing, you know, fantastic. Look at McCaffrey in week in year two and what he's doing. You know, how many yards did he have last week? 180 or something? Something crazy? Yeah. I mean, they drafted him by thinking this guy for the next decade is going to be, you know, 1A with Cam Newton as our explosive guy, is our playmaker. So – Giant fans just keep that into account as we go forward, you know. If you get bummed out by, you know, oh I thought we drafted even like the fact that he only has like ten carries last week. Oh, I thought we drafted this guy, he shouldn't be only having ten carries, or that's all he's doing. It's a long game. And McCaffrey is someone that you, we should be looking at as this is the way it plays out when you have patience. Um I, I you know, I'm gonna jump a little bit ahead into predictions. I'm putting this as a loss in pen. Hmm. Um, I know what you're saying about it sounds a lot easier to do than it actually is by oh yeah you know, giving, you know, putting the pressure on uh, on Cam to have him make mistakes and to get out of his little zone of comfort. We haven't shown we've done that yet this year. Nope. Uh, no Vernon probably means it won't happen again if he comes back. You know, he's not going to beat 100 percent even. He might have provide a little bit more pressure, but I just don't see it. And I fear that McCaffrey can have one of those games where he does run wild. um, Setting up the potential for the big play. Um, And I I just can't see how we go in there and get it done at at this point. I look at at this as kind of like a... Either we're going to get blown out really early and it's going to get really ugly or something we might hang around in what we saw last week where in the fourth quarter, late third quarter, fourth quarter... The defense runs out of gas, and all of a sudden we get sk- you know we get um we get gas for big plays late. I look at this as something like a thirty two seventeen type of game
0: yeah, I had this at twenty seven thirteen carolina and I'm right there with you there is there is a way that this offense can score points and uh it's really evidenced in the Falcons game, and you know we talked about it already they need to commit to the run. Uh, this front seven is really good for Carolina. Uh, you know they have probably some of the best linebackers in the game, and they have you know Kwan Short, you know in the middle, Vernon Butler in the middle. Those are really good defensive tackles. If you can get the linebackers to really commit to biting, a lot of play, a lot of action can happen right behind them. And we saw that in the Falcons game where, you know, receivers are running wide open in the middle of the field. That's how the Giants are going to have to do it and they're going to have to commit to the run game, and it has to work. They have to be getting the kind of yardage they were getting last week. That said, that's really a tall order you know, for <laughs> this offensive line against this defensive line and linebackers.
1: One thing to keep in mind for this game, and a um, buddy of mine lives in Charlotte, says a lot of people from New York live in that area. So the crowd might have quite a bit of Giant fans in it. So I'm not expecting the insane home field advantage there that you would in like philly for example or green bay or you know places that are all homegrown so maybe that might be something that might help us a little bit by not having just an intense crowd noise and intense you know against us but
0: well i'll tell you what if the the giants perform poorly it that won't matter it'll be loud enough
1: (laughs) you'll hear boost giant fans are there so
0: (laughs) But speaking of Philly, let's go around the league for predictions. Philadelphia is playing Minnesota. What are your thoughts real quick?
1: I'll say they win a a tight one, but don't look very good doing it.
0: I'm going to agree with you. I think Minnesota's offensive line ultimately is not good enough to deal with Jim Schwartz's defense. I think Philadelphia wins a close one. Dallas plays Houston.
1: That's the Sunday night game?
0: Yes, in Houston.
1: Mm. Well... Houston did not. This is one of those games where Houston. This could be a fire the coach game, isn't it? Could yeah, it would, be for.
0: Well, Bill O'Brien's team won last week, I think, right? They're one and three, so yeah. They're
1: one and three, but still, you know, this is gonna be a national TV game where everybody's has their eye on them, and if they look, you know, really bad against a pretty below average Dallas team, it could be a coach's fired game. Um, I think the coach is getting fired. I think Dallas wins uh, rather comfortably.
0: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think Dallas goes to Houston. They win. I think Deshaun Watson continues to look bad also. Um, Washington travels to New Orleans.
1: You know, as much as we talk about the, uh, the woes of the Giants last week in that Saints game, did the Saints really impress you last week?
0: No, I thought the Giants held them in check pretty well.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of agree. Um, the game is in New Orleans, so they're, it's a night and day difference for that team.
0: And it's the Monday
1: night game. It's it's a Monday night game so you know the town be all psyched up and I'm still not in on Washington at all. I'll say Washington loses by 14.
0: Yeah, that's right where I'm with at with it. It's incredibly tough to win in that area. You know, Monday night game is just icing on the cake. Um
1: that's one of those places like Kansas City where they get, they take it very seriously having a Monday night game in there mm-hmm. and they make sure the crowd is all amped up as much as they can.
0: Yeah. Um, I, just, I just don't think Washington has the firepower to do. It. I mean, the, the, it'll be tight at first, I think, but I think ultimately Washington just doesn't have what it takes to beat New Orleans there.
1: It's really something, Grump, that, you know, this NFC East is there for the taking.
0: It is. You know, as, as much as Giants fans lament, if you're really looking at this season as being the season to compete, They're not out of it just because they look like shit and have one win. This whole division looks like shit.
1: And that is why there is no discussion when Eli Manning is getting pulled. Because they still have a shot. And this coaching staff believes they have a shot. And they are not throwing a season away. They will use the end of the season if it's garbage time to develop the future. But they are not throwing away a potential. No matter how bad you think Eli is playing. There's no other alternative. They're not bringing in Alex Tanney. They're not bringing a guy who's basically the scout team quarterback now to all of a sudden play. Don't give me any random examples in the last 20 years of something like that happening. It ain't happening this year. So at least we've kind of identified where we are, where last year became this you know, free fall yeah. with unknowns, with a GM Unknowns with the head coach, unknowns unknowns with the quarterback, unknowns with Beckham's contract at least you know the record may not show it this year. we might but, end up but there's there's again. a shell
0: there there's things are there's a skeleton
1: well there, there feels like well now we kind of have a plan we're yeah. not getting rid of the gm. we're not getting rid of the coach. Beckham is in the fold um you know there's no skin and hair them.
0: yet, but there's a skeleton we, we get it. we see what's yeah. happening.
1: That's a good one. I'll have to write that one down and use it for something.
0: Oh, thanks. Don't, don't credit me or anything. No, <laughs> oh, as always, I hope you're listening to our podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. And I hope that you're telling your friends about it and retweeting what we tweet at JustGiantsPod. And, you know, subscribing, making sure to listen every Tuesday and Friday morning. And I really hope that you're leaving a five-star rating.
1: Yeah, we really appreciate all the feedback we've been getting the last couple of weeks. It sounds like we're just not talking to ourselves. People are actually listening. Um, we want to give a shout out to guys like Derek Goodman, um, his Third and Soul podcast. Check it out. Another good yeah. giant show. Uh, you might actually see a uh, a cross pod with with us coming up in the future too. So, guys like him, we really appreciate, and all you other guys who very very passionate. Yeah. yeah, I think we know what we're talking about. I think we're a bunch of idiots, which probably. <laughs> A little combination of both. So, mm-hmm. thanks for the out there. Fine line between
0: <laughs> madness and genius, right? <laughs> exactly. There's another really great podcast you should check out, especially if you're looking for SEC players of the future, and that's Mark and the Cranky Fan.
1: Oh, that Marconi Award-winning one! I heard. Uh, yes, check out Mark and the Cranky Fan, where I talk all things, Florida Gator football. You know, obviously, huge weekend with the LSU game coming up. Um, like we said, Grump and I will be at both games this weekend, so we will give you, you know, our eyewitness accounts of both. And you know, Grump, I'll be packing all of our equipment. We might be doing our first ever in-person pod this Sunday night, which we've never done before.
0: Nope, never done that.
1: We'll see if we can get the technical things worked out. I'm sure after forty-eight hours of nonstop drinking, that will be a real coherent, uh, logical, well-grounded show. So, fun. <laughs> to look out for that.
0: Might be, might be um, a bit of overreaction, one way or another, depending on the outcome of that game. <laughs> well, all right, everyone. Wish us luck. Wish us a safe flight, safe flights, and uh, we will see you Monday morning, Tuesday morning, whenever that episode airs.
1: I say, unless the Grump runs on the field at halftime when he's super pissed off so, <laughs> in his birthday suit. We're hoping. <laughs> yeah, if that. I'm
0: streaking, I actually won't be on TV. I don't think. Maybe <laughs> on like uh, what Deadspin or something.
1: I'll have my phone now, don't worry. (laughs) We broadcasted.
0: All right, everyone, Go go Giants.